You know, I don't know about you, but maybe you've heard at some point in your life, or maybe you've, you've contributed to saying this, thanks Beth, that uh, this church or that church or whatever, I'm not pointing out any specific churches, they lack, uh, you know, just some good, solid, biblical, foundational teaching. This church or that church, they lack some deep understanding of the things of the Bible and, and translating that to the people. Maybe, maybe you've heard the opposite. Maybe you've heard, you know, this church or that church, you know, they've got some, some solid teaching, but boy, it's boring. And, and you know, oh, I just feel like it's so dry and, and there's no life in that church and, and it's just all old people and all they do is just hear about the Bible, but they don't do anything. You know, this is the classic tensions between what, we, what, what kind of church we can have, Right? And, and I truly believe that there, is, there are two kind of uh, things that we need to make sure that we have in balance in our life, and they're these two things. We need to have a knowledge and understanding, but we also need to have an experience and a relationship. We need to have a knowledge and understanding of who God is and the significance of what He's done, but we also have to have an experience with God and relationship with Him. You know, and I think that a, ho- a whole lot of Christians today are in danger, perhaps, of only seeking a relationship or an experience or a feeling, right, without experiencing the knowledge and understanding of God. And more specifically, the knowledge and understanding of the Holy Spirit. Man, the Holy Spirit was here tonight. He's still here tonight. I'm so excited about Him being here tonight. I love experiencing His presence and I love just having a relationship with Him. But can you imagine if I, if I had so much relationship with Megan but never knew anything about her? Can you, I mean, what a dysfunctional relationship. I didn't know where she grew up. I didn't know who her family were. I didn't really know much about her. I couldn't remember how we met. What's her middle name again? I don't know. But I like her. She's really nice to have around and we have a great time together and it's awesome. On the flip side, can you imagine if I knew everything about Megan? I knew all there was to know. You know, I, I knew where she grew up. I knew every kind of sport she played. I knew, you know, what she did in every grade at school when she grew up. I knew all the jobs that she's worked. I knew every thought that she thought. But we had, we had no experience together and no relationship. That's called being a stalker. And I think that sometimes we have one or the other relationship with the Holy Spirit. And it might actually feel like, it may, may feel like to you like it has for me, uh, like an arranged marriage with the Holy Spirit. That sometimes we're brought into this relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, we get saved and we understand that, that we are saved so that we can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and He empowers us and, and is with us and everything like that. But we don't, we don't know Him. And it might feel like an arranged marriage. Like, yeah, I'm technically married to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, He lives in me and He's with me and all that kind of thing. Yeah, it's cool, but I don't know the next thing about Him. And so tonight, I just want to talk about some of the characteristics some of the really important things about the Holy Spirit. Because as we, this term, explore the idea of lift up our eyes, we really need to understand the one who lifts up our eyes. We really need to understand that the Holy Spirit that makes it possible for us to lift up our eyes. 
You know, the lift up your eyes uh, theme this term is a bold theme. And I think a lot of people, when you think about a teaching on the Holy Spirit, you think inward focused, you think nice, counsellor, lovely friend, you know, gentle, he's there, he's a nice warming presence, and it's lovely. And that is all true about the Holy Spirit. But when we speak about lift up your eyes, we're talking about a ground-breaking, kingdom-expanding, and, 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 you know, ground-taking movement of God, and that is what the Holy Spirit is. He's not just a nice feeling. He's not just a nice feeling on a Friday night and a Sunday morning. He, he's groundbreaking. He's always looking, hey, when, when's the next time the kingdom's expanding? Hey, what's the next heart we're going to take over for Jesus? The, that's the Holy Spirit. So tonight, let me just give you a bit of background on this guy that we're all married to. Is that cool? Fantastic. You see, back in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit wasn't for everyone. The Holy Spirit was for one, maybe two, maybe a couple extras of people at a time. And, and the Holy Spirit always signified an authority of God. If a person had the Holy Spirit on them, God put them in a place of authority. Let's have a, have a look at uh, King Saul, so the first king that's ever anointed. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 9, As Saul turned to leave Samuel, so Samuel's just told him you're going to be king, God changed Saul's heart and all these signs were f- fulfilled that day. When he and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him. Listen to this. The Spirit of God came powerfully upon him and he joined in their prophesying. When all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, What is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul among the prophets? You see, Saul experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit because God sent Samuel to anoint him as king. But he he sealed the deal with the anointing of his Holy Spirit. You know, we also see this with some of the prophets and uh you know, some of the judges and, and other of the kings. You know, we see Elijah, a man filled with the Holy Spirit. He was a prophet that led Israel. And he passed it on to Elijah. We see Ezekiel and we see Isaiah. And, and the list goes on. Samson, I mean, these people that are filled with the Holy Spirit to lead a nation. But it was only kind of one or two of them at a time. Something that was also really significant about it was that the Holy Spirit was sent to them for a specific purpose. It didn't just signify that they had authority. The Holy Spirit actually gave them power to do whatever God wanted them to do. Think about Elijah. I mean, God wants him to go and take down the the prophetess of Baal and all all the prophets of Baal. and, And so he gives him the power to cause a drought across the whole entire land, to make fire strike from heaven and burn up an offering, and then to pray so that the rain would come back over the land. I mean, isn't isn't that incredible stuff? I mean, in the New Testament, we we see the Holy Spirit literally teleports a guy. Have a read of that in your New Testament. There's someone, he's just going about his day, and God teleports him somewhere so that he could preach the gospel to someone, then he disappears. I mean, come on, isn't that amazing? We look at this in, uh, in the life of, of Samson, Judges 15, 14. As Samson approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him shouting, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax and the bindings dropped 
from his hands. We also see later on in the story of Samson that, that his la, as his last breath, he says, he, he says, God, just give me a spirit one, one last time that I may kill all of these Philistines. And he, he gets God's spirit. And he, with his bare hands, he pushes down a temple, crushes himself and all of the Philistines. Man, when God wants you to do something, he uses his Holy Spirit to empower you. And the last thing that was significant about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was that he was temporary. This is really significant. Because we see King Saul, and uh, King Saul's not doing what God wants. You know, we just talked about how he was anointed king and was given the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible says, in, uh, I haven't got the verse here, the Bible says that the Spirit of God left him. I mean, isn't that so significant? And we see later that the Spirit of God was with David. David actually begs God later on after he sinned. He's, he begs him and says, Please, Lord, do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. You see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was temporary. It was for a time, for a season, to empower you and to give you authority. And this was awesome. It was leading the, you know, every time the Israelites would would wander off away from what God wanted. He would send someone filled with the Holy Spirit to lead his people back into his will. And then they'd wander off again. And God would send someone with the Holy Spirit to lead them back into his will. And it was this kind of God's leading, right? But there was always this disconnect with the Old Testament people and God. And there's always this, this unsettledness because not everyone had this connection with God. It was for a special few. Who, who, who could enjoy this relationship with God and the Holy Spirit. And so there was all, almost this unfulfillment in the people of the Old Testament, the people of Israel. And so the prophets began to prophesy, filled with the Holy Spirit, that God was going to bring about a day where everyone could have the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel chapter 30, 36 verse 25 says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from your heart a stone, a heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people, and I will be your God. Ezekiel is prophesying about a time to come. And so all of the Old Testament people, the Israelites, begin to talk to each other. Hey, there's a time coming. Have you been reading the books of the prophets? There's a time coming where an anointed person, someone who's anointed by the Holy Spirit, isn't just going to lead us back into God's will. He's going to lead us into the Holy Spirit. And so they began talking about how significant this was going to be. And they become, began to become excited and, and they began to go, oh, I wonder if this will happen in my lifetime. This anointed one that's going to bring the Holy Spirit to us all. And so they, they began to talk to each other and, and, and began to become excited. And Jesus comes. After so many years, after waiting and waiting and waiting for the Holy Spirit to come and, come and fill them all. And Jesus comes. And this is what Jesus says. He gets up and he reads in front of the whole temple. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. What a declaration. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners 
and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. You know why that's so significant? Because the year of the Lord's favour was a year of the Lord's equalising. Which means that Jesus is saying, hey, it's time that God is putting us all on a level playing field again. And he's anointed me with the Holy Spirit to tell you that, to proclaim to the poor, hey, there's good news. And so all of a sudden, some Jews begin to, begin to become excited, some Israelites. And they start to think, I wonder if he's the anointed one that the prophets have been speaking about. Isn't this a cool movie? Anyway. And again, Jesus says in John chapter 7, he's at a feast. And on the last day of the feast, yeah, multiple days, pretty cool. Jesus stood up and he says, he yells this out in the feast. What a weird thing to do. He yells this out. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow within them. And then John says, by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. You see, the reason why Jesus came, one of the reasons why Jesus came was, was to give us the Holy Spirit. Because what had happened was, God brought all of his people out of Egypt and he gave them these rules, a covenant. Basically a relationship agreement. If you've seen the Big Bang Theory, it's like a roommate agreement, but a bit more personal. And there's this relationship agreement that basically says, hey, if you, if you abide by these, these, this culture of my kingdom, you can be in my kingdom and we can be friends. And so the Israelites uh, coming out of Egypt were like, great, that's fantastic. But they kept failing, kept failing, kept failing. And God would use his Holy Spirit to bring them back and bring them back and bring them back. But it would fail time and time again. So he sends his anointed one, Jesus, God himself, filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you so that no longer... We have to abide by 10 rules, 10 laws of, of how to live in my kingdom. I'm going to put the culture of the kingdom inside of you so that every day, through every moment and every circumstance, you can consult this culture of the kingdom. And this culture of the kingdom can begin to help you. I just want to read a verse to you in Jeremiah chapter 31 because when I read this, I cannot help but just think about God's planning for Jesus to come. Have a, have a listen to this. It's going to be up on the screens, I believe. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. It says, it's The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Remember, he had a covenant, relationship agreement, the ten rules. I'll make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. What's the law he's talking about? He's talking about the covenant, the Ten Commandments. These covenantal rules that he had with Israel. And he says, instead of putting them on a stone tablet for you to see, 
I'm going to insert my kingdom culture inside of you. Isn't that significant? Let's read on. I will be their God and they will be my teacher, uh, my people. Listen to this. This is really important. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord. Wow. Because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Why is this so significant? Because up until this point, the Holy Spirit was for one. But Jeremiah, the prophet, begins to speak to them and and say, hey, there's a time coming where there's going to be no prophet to teach you, hey, this is how you know the Lord. There's a time coming where he himself will know you and you will know him. Come on, we're living in that time in history right now. We're living in the greatest time in history. We don't have to come to a church and, and listen for a prophet who might have a word for us to tell us that we've been doing the wrong thing. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so now I just want to just talk about what this means for us today. What does it really mean to have the Holy Spirit with us? Remember how I talked at the beginning, you know, we, we have this knowledge and understanding. We can also have this experience and relationship. And I really want to spend some time at the end of my message just talking about uh, just spending some time with the Holy Spirit and just allowing some time for us to experience who He is. But before we do that, I just want to teach you about some of the knowledge and understanding about the Holy Spirit. It's important to have both, right? The first thing I want to tell you today is that we all have access to the Holy Spirit. Every single one of us. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's the ground rules. Done. You now have access to the Holy Spirit. Romans 5 verse 5 says this, And hope does not put us to shame, because God love. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Come on. The Holy Spirit that that previously was only set aside for kings and for prophets, he's now been given to us. So let's park here and and talk about this. You know, the the first part that that I talked about, you know, the days are coming, declares the Lord, where I'll make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. We are now the people of Israel. We're sons and daughters of Abraham. That's what Paul says. And the first thing that the Holy Spirit is to us is he's our guide. You know, if we're going to lift up our eyes in our communities and see what God is doing, we need a guide. We need a guide to show us right from wrong, to show us when we're walking in the kingdom culture and when we're not walking in kingdom culture. We need a guide to show us when we have open doors in our community and a guide to show us when doors are closed in our community. You know, the Holy Spirit enables us to be images of God. Remember that verse in the Bible in Genesis? Let us make them in our image. Man, we were created in the image of God. We stray from that all the time. We're still created in the image of God, but we're not very good images of God. Do you understand? You see, the Holy Spirit enters into our lives to help us image him. Isn't that so powerful and significant? The Holy Spirit is in your life to help you look a bit more like Jesus. Come on, do you understand that the Holy Spirit isn't just here for warm fuzzies and to to pat you on the back when you've had a bad day? Which he does do that. But man, the Holy Spirit's here for so much more. He's here to transform you, to change you, to help you take ground for the kingdom. 
2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Come on. The Holy Spirit's freed us. He's freed us from a, from a life of guessing whether we're in the kingdom culture or if we're not in the kingdom of culture. He's brought us in a relationship. Have you ever tried to navigate with a map? Have you ever used a map before and tried to navigate, you know, your way through the mountains or anyone done that in school? Really cool. You don't do that in homeschooling. I mean, you could, but you probably get lost and eaten by a coronavirus person or something. You see, a map's really handy when you know where you are on the map. You've been in the city and there's like a map of the city and, and there's a you are here little dot, right? It's really handy when you know exactly where you are on the dot. The problem is you don't always know where you are on the, on the, on the map. And sometimes you're like, oh, I think I'm here. There's water there and there's water there. So I think I'm here. And then you keep on walking. You realize you weren't there at all. You were down here where there's more water. And, and you know, the map's only helpful when you know where you are, right? The Holy Spirit's not like a map. The old covenant was like a map. Here's a map of, you know, the culture of the kingdom. Stick to it. Go find the X. But we didn't know where we were. The Holy Spirit isn't like a map. He's like a compass. No matter where you stand, the Holy Spirit points you to Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're standing in the depths of hell, the Holy Spirit still points you to Jesus. We no longer have a map to tell us, hey, this is how we ought to live. We have a Holy Spirit to tell us, hey, maybe take a step to the left. Hey, you crossed the line there, buddy. You know, the Holy Spirit is our guide. The second thing I want to tell you tonight is that the Holy Spirit is empowering. We continue on with that same verse. This is my covenant I will make with my people of Israel. This is verse 33. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. You know, the culture of the kingdom living inside of us. That's what he's talking about. Mark 13 verse 11. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what you say. Just say whatever is given you at the time. For it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. You know how I talked before about in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was given to prophets and to kings and to judges to accomplish whatever it is God wanted them to accomplish. Holy Spirit was basically put there in order to make it impossible for them to fail. The Holy Spirit is put inside you for the exact same reason. That whatever it is that God wants you to accomplish, He'll allow you to do it. You know, whatever courage or whatever bravery you need to do what God's asking you to do, the Holy Spirit's going to give it to you in that moment. The Holy Spirit might teleport you one day. Who knows? Wouldn't that be cool? The Holy Spirit empowers you to even fight off coronavirus. Isn't that exciting? Because the Holy Spirit's with you to accomplish whatever He's called you to do. You know, just like Samson ripping lions apart with his bare hands, like Elijah calling down fire from heaven, like Moses splitting the waters, the Holy Spirit enables you to do everything that He's called you to do. The last thing that I think the Holy Spirit does, and I'll wrap this up shortly if Ella, you want to jump up on those keys, thanks, is that He is the equalizer. Has anyone seen that movie, The Equalizer? Denzel Washington, come on. Do I need I say more? 
basically about him just like beating bad dudes and helping good dudes and it's awesome. You have to watch it if you haven't seen it. You know, the Holy Spirit is like a kick-butt equalizer. And he doesn't just kick the butt of bad guys. That's not what the Holy Spirit's about. He comes and kicks the butt of sin. Listen to what this verse says. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. Here's a significant part. From the least to the greatest. From the smallest of them. From the least significant. From the person that is the least important in their class, in their school, in their family, in their work, in their community. They will know me, says the Holy Spirit. He's not letting any amount of sin, any amount of bad living, any amount of broken down relationships get in the way. He's an equalizer. That's what I so love about communion. You know, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about the newly saved Christians in the New Testament. And they, they sit down for communion, for the Lord's Supper. And they segregate people on the table. And they find the least of the least. And they say, hey, guy that no one really likes that much and you just got invited because you happen to be around, you're going to sit down here. And there's people that we don't really like or don't really want to associate with or those that aren't Jews or those that don't have that much money, you're going to come sit down this end of the table. And, you know, I, I kind of like you, but, you know, you don't have enough money to repay me for if I'm generous to you or anything like that, so you can come sit here. And, uh, you know, you're all right and you're working your way up and, you know, you, you've, you've come far away from down there, so you're going you're gonna to sit here. But, man... Those disciples of Jesus, those legendary guys, you can sit up here. Those who saw Jesus in the flesh, come sit up here. Those who are rich and own houses and, and throw parties all the time, come sit up here. Come sit up at this end of the table. Anyway, Paul comes in. And Paul sees this table set out before him. And he sees people taking communion and, and, and fellowship with God. And he sees that down this end of the table, they don't have any wine. And they have some moldy bits of bread. And as the table gets up, comes up, it, 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 the bread kind of increases a little bit better and they start to have some cheap wine and some cheap drinks and still not great. And as it kind of works its way up here, there's pretty good bread. And, and finally, we, we get to the rich of the rich and the cool and the high status and the disciples of Jesus. And they have this awesome, best tasting wine and this amazing bread. And Paul says to them, no, 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 no. You've got it all wrong. You see, the Holy Spirit came to equalize us. When we sit at God's table, we all sit up the top. There is no top. When the Holy Spirit came and came inside each and every one of us, we all became equalized. We're all on a level playing field. It doesn't matter if you're disabled or if you're crippled or if you don't have any money or you're dirty or you come from a bad past or your family were sinners or tax collectors or who cares. We're equal. It doesn't matter if you saw Jesus in the flesh or if you have a really awesome mansion or if you've done amazing things for God. It doesn't matter if you've healed the sick and blind and you've, you've seen lepers walk. It doesn't matter. We're all equal. The Holy Spirit's an equalizer. 
You know, I said it, it, that in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit was temporary. It was there for a season. If you upset the Holy Spirit and you didn't do what he asked you to do, he would leave you and he'd go and move on to someone else who could lead the people of Israel. But Jesus said this such significant thing. Just before he leaves, he says this. He says, I will ask the Father. And he will give you another advocate, another one like me, to help you. And he will be with you forever. Man, this is so significant. You know, not even Jesus was going to be around forever. Jesus was temporarily on earth. But he sent his Holy Spirit so that he could be with us forever. And that his family of believers across the whole entire world, his bride, were equal. Paul says at best, there is neither slave nor free. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither poor, there's not rich. There's not Blue Mountains and Hawkesbury. There's not Penrith and Springwood. There's not Cambodia and Australia. There's none of that. We're spirit-filled believers. It doesn't matter how much money's in our pockets. It doesn't matter how we dress. It doesn't matter what we eat. It doesn't matter who we hang out with. We're all the same. That's the Holy Spirit. Are you ready to dance with me in the rain tonight? You know, this same Holy Spirit's here tonight and you're probably married to him, but you don't know about him. And maybe now you know a bit more about him and you have a bit more of an understanding about him and, and what he's about. But I want to encourage you tonight. He wants to meet with you. Man, this isn't some arranged marriage that we don't you know, get to fully know the person that we're married to and have relationship to. No, he wants to know you. He wants to be best mates with you. Thanks, team, for getting up. You know, I've, I've just asked Ella if she would just play over us and just worship the Holy Spirit. And if you'd just like to stand with me, I know we've gone a little bit over 8 o'clock and we kind of aim to finish by then, but if you just spend a few minutes, man, he's here. And Ben, if you just want to lead us wherever you want to go, wherever he leads you. Can I just encourage you, why don't you embrace him tonight? The Holy Spirit, we just want to dance in your reign. We pray that you'd come, that you'd speak to us, that you'd be with us. Thank you, Father.